Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo. So I was thinking, when was the time that I first got to see God answer prayers in my life? I started thinking about that, and, and as I was looking back, I think the first prayer I remember being answered was shortly after I became a Christian. I had some friends who invited me to go on a mission trip with them. It was going to be an awesome trip, three weeks going out west, and we're going to minister to at an American Indian reservation and different places along the way. And I thought, wow, that would be a neat opportunity. I went home and mentioned it to my mom and dad, and they were okay with me going, but they said, but you can't take money out of your college fund to go. You got to go with the money from somewhere else. Mowing season was over, and I was thinking, where am I going to come up with this money? And so I started praying. I was like, God, I think this is something you'd want me to pray about. I need some money. And I started praying. And, and the first answer came from a friend who said, hey, I want to sponsor you for part of that trip. And so they gave me like $150 towards the $250. And I'm like, wow, that was pretty awesome. The Lord provided. I'm good. I just need $100 more. So I kept praying. And it got closer and closer to the deadline. I got a little more concerned, a little more concerned. And I remember laying in my bed. I literally remember this moment and praying, God, I need a miracle. I need another $100 so I can go on this trip. But if you don't want me to go, okay. But I really want to go. And if you got it, I need a miracle. I remember praying that prayer and getting up out of my bed. And I can't remember if it was the same day, the same night the same moment, or if it was like a couple of days later. But I remember walking over to my, my shelf in my room and seeing some green stuff sticking out of my shelf. And I was like, what is that? And I walked over to it, and money was growing from my shelf. <laughs> it's a miracle. I started a whole ministry. I wrote a book on how to grow money from your shelf. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But it was a miracle but it wasn't a miracle because the money just was created out of nothing. It was already there all along. I was trying to figure out where it came from, but it was exactly what I needed. I was praising the Lord, and then a couple of days later, I remembered I had hidden that $100 like a year and a half earlier before going on vacation. You ever hide money so nobody will break in and steal it if they break in? It's ridiculous because I never can find it, right? I've probably given away books to people all the time. They probably find $100 in the back of them or something. Well, that's what I had done. I had hidden that money earlier, but it really was a miracle that I found it at the time I needed it. It was an answer prayer. And if you think about it, anytime you're praying for God to provide, it's coming from something that's already existing, right? The money already existed in somebody else's pocket or it already existed in, in some other resource and the Lord reveals it to you. So why do I say that? Because today as we're talking about the places that we go, as we're continuing this series on the places that we go, it takes money to get to the places we will go. And so as a church, we fund mission work. As a church, we fund ministry. And so that money has to come from somewhere. 
there was a preacher that was speaking on giving and he was doing a capital campaign and they were trying to raise money for a building and he showed up one Sunday morning and said, hey, I got great news on the capital campaign. And the people were like, yeah. He said, I talked to the Lord last night and he's got all the money we need. And the people were like, yay. He said, that's the good news. The bad news is in your pockets. And they're like, boo. <laughs> it's like, what? But that's the bottom line. The way God funds his mission is through his people, you and I. We get to be conduits of generosity. We get to be the people that partner with God to see God do miraculous things through our serving, but also through our giving. And so as we've been talking about the places we go and serving the Lord and, and sending people overseas and, and doing ministry locally, we get to do that because people like you and people like me give generously. Yesterday, we did an outreach for our homeless community in our town. We had seven churches partner together. We had multiple groups. The UCHRA was here. The rescue mission was here. We had people offering job opportunities. We had a, a whole slew of people. We had volunteers from our churches and other church. True blessing. And, and our responsibility was to provide the food for everybody. And we could do that because you give faithfully, because you are generous in your tithes and your offerings. And it's been great. So many opportunities I get, I can just say, when there's a need, I see a need, I meet a need, because the church has been so generous to meet those needs. And so you are a part of that. So we're going to look at a passage today. If you will turn with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to look at verses 6 through uh, 12, or 13, I think it is. And, and as we look at this passage, let me give you a little background. Paul's writing a letter to the Corinthians. So Paul is not in the city of Corinth. He's writing a letter to them, some to encourage, some to challenge. And this part of the letter is reminding them of a commitment that they already made. They made a commitment to help the people in Jerusalem who were struggling financially. And so they were going to make a commitment to help with this mission need. And so Paul's sending word ahead with this letter and with the people bringing the letter saying, hey, guys, I want you to get your hearts ready because I want you to be prepared to give when the time comes. So we're going to pick up in verse 6. It says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves the person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others, as the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when you take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks 
to God. Let's go, Lord, in prayer and ask God that he would speak to us this morning. Lord, if there's any subject out there that is a sensitive subject, it's money. And God, I know from talking to so many people that this idea of giving has been abused by television evangelists, by preachers, and so many people trying to coerce and manipulate people to give. And so, God, I, I just ask today that you would let people see the heart of our church. I pray, God, that they will understand your purpose in our giving and that you will inspire them to take a leap of faith today and begin trusting you in their giving to be generous. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You got your listening guide. Uh, we got quite a few things to pull out of the passage today. A lot of good stuff in there. Uh, we're we're going to start with the first one, which is give generously and God will outbless you. It says here that to remember that the farmer plants only the few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a, a generous crop. It, Paul is just using a simple illustration. It would make sense to everybody. If you throw two seeds down, you're not going to grow 100 plants, right? If you want a big crop, you got to plant a lot of seeds. And so he's saying the same thing about your giving. As you seek to be givers, give generously. If you just give a little bit, then you're not going to be blessed with a lot. Our giving and how we trust God with our giving is in direct proportion to how he blesses us. It's a leap of faith. It's something he calls us to. And so God calls us to give generously and get to see that. Now, uh, who has more resources, you or God? Somebody give me an answer. Is it not God? And yet we, we treat God worse than we treat our own friends. How many of you, if your friend said to you, hey, on your way to the office today, stop by Five Guys Burgers and Fries and pick me up burgers, fries, and a drink, and I'll get you one too. You go ahead and get you one, get me one, I'll pay for both. Sound like a good deal? Everybody excited about that? I'm thinking I'm hungry as I'm saying it, as I'm saying it, right? And would you trust your friend to follow through on their part of the deal? If they're a good friend, yeah, right? Would you think, oh, man, what if, they're, what if they're broke? What if they can't afford a burger and fries? You probably wouldn't even think that. Well, God has promised to bless us generous, generously if we are generous towards him. It's that simple. And yet, I think we think God's broke, and that's why we don't trust God with our tithes and offerings. I, I know, I, for me, as a person, I've always struggled in this area for a long time until I finally just said, okay, God, I truly believe you own not just the cattle of a thousand hills, but you actually own the hills too. And if you say that I can trust you with my finances, I can trust you with my finances. So first thing Paul's telling them, give generously and God will outbless you. And I really believe this, you cannot outgive God. Second thing, be intentional managers of God's money. He tells them in advance, he says, verse seven, decide in your heart how much to give and not don't give reluctantly or under pressure. If you're ever pressured to give, don't give. 
If I ever get up here and say, we need your money, we're going broke if you don't give money, we're not gonna be able to fund what God wants. If you don't give your money, then you just need to come talk to me because that is a lack of faith on my part, your leader. God is not broke. And although we all need to give, God's got the resources everywhere and he can provide. And if I'm twisting your arm, trying to manipulate you into giving, that's not what God intends for me to do as your leader. So anytime you watch online and they put those, those kids in front of you and say, we're gonna have to close the orphanage today. If you don't give today, don't send them any money. That's just manipulation. Paul says, decide in your heart in advance. And I believe that's the big reason for the tithe. From Genesis all the way to Revelation, he talks about us giving God our first fruits. He talks about this trusting him with our tithe. I've seen it work over and over and over again. When people take that leap of faith to trust God with that first 10%, he does more with your 90% that's left over than you could ever do with that first 10%. It's because he promises to do that. He promises us that he will outbless us every time. But I encourage you to be intentional about that, to make the decision in prayer, not in a moment of guilt. I was at a meeting with the, the sheriff here in town, and he was talking about these guys that are standing by the side of the road asking for money. And he just said, please, please, please don't give them any money. He said, all it's doing is fueling the drug trafficking in our city. He said, it's not helping anybody. He said, if you really feel like you wanna help people that are homeless, give to the rescue mission or another organization that helps the homeless. He said, that's gonna be um, helpful to them, helping them get back on their feet, helping them find housing instead of giving them cash that he, in his words, he said they'll spend 90% of it to go get drugs. And so he, I thought it was a great, great illustration for us. We don't give out of guilt or manipulation. We give out of faith and obedience to God, trusting him that he can do more with what we give than what we could do ourselves. And as a church, I trust where that money goes. I'm very grateful. Uh, you guys get to see that every year. We mail that out, how we'll be spending our money. Uh, I believe our elders and our, our teams have done a great job of being wise in the way we spend and wise in the way we serve the Lord. Well, it says God wants a cheerful giver. You know how you learn to be a cheerful giver? Practice. The more I give, the more I enjoy it. The more I give, the more I get to see God do great things. The more I get to hear stories of what God does through my giving, the more it inspires me to give. So we get to be a cheerful giver. It's an act of worship to God. It's, it's a way of declaring that he is our provider and not we ourselves. Well, the third thing is that giving requires faith. Giving is a leap of faith. It will grow you in your spiritual journey when you begin to give. Because it requires faith, because you have to take this leap to trust God to provide when you give to him first, it will grow you spiritually. You'll get to see him provide in a way like I did as a 17-year-old new Christian 
that will build your faith that God is the provider and no one else. But you gotta take that leap. I was grateful that I had that opportunity. And I just challenge you, if you've never done it before, today I'm gonna challenge you not to take a leap of faith during the service. Because I don't want anybody to give today out of guilt or manipulation or because I preached on money. I want everybody to go home and pray and say, Lord, what is my part? What are you telling me to do? To learn how to be a cheerful giver and to learn how to grow that faith. It says here in verse seven, uh, I'm excuse me, eight, it says, and God will generously provide all your needs. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. That's why God gives us more than we need is so we can generously share with others. There are those in need around us and we get to bless them and help them because God has blessed us. And I just wanna encourage you, you won't discover that until you take a leap of faith. You won't discover and see how God can provide until you take that leap of faith. And truth is, in my life at least, the more money I made, the harder it was to take that leap. When I first got saved, I made $3 an hour at a donut shop. Now, I remember getting up at 4 a.m. I had to be there by 4.30 a.m. Had to flip those donuts. Man, I, I could flip two and eat one, flip two and eat one. I was a great donut shop guy. I don't know if they made any money off me working for them, but I was a great guy at the donut shop. And I worked nine hours on the weekend, six hours on Saturday morning from 4.30 to 10.30, and then three hours on Sunday morning from 4.30 to, to uh, 7.30, whatever that was. And so I, that nine hours, I made $27 a week. Big money. It wasn't bad for a 14, 15-year-old. And so I started tithing. It was $2.70. I was like, well, that ain't, I can do that. I can do that for the Lord. It was kind of the price of a number one burger meal at McDonald's at the time. I can do that. Well, then I got a little bit more of a real job as a youth pastor. And then it was no longer $2.70 a week. It was $20 a week. And that $20 a week, I said, wait a minute. Now I, could, I could buy two CDs for that. Now, that's real money. We're, I mean, I like music, and I could buy two. But I was faithful. And then I got a full-time job. And then all of a sudden, your tithe is a car payment. And it's like, Lord, I could have a, a new car or I could give my tithe to you. It's a big difference, isn't it? But here's what I find. If I don't have the faith to trust God with that first 10%, that 100% goes away so much faster, <laughs> so fast that I can't even keep it. My wife and I have seen that in our spiritual journey, our journey of faith, time and time again, that when we feel like we don't have it and we take that leap of faith to trust God with our giving, he always provides for us. And the scripture said the, he's never seen the righteous beg for bread. And I would agree with that statement. So the fourth thing is it's all his anyway. Uh, scripture says they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. It's all his anyway. We're called to share with the poor. 
We're called to trust God with our finances because it's all his anyway. Do you feel freely that you can share? Do you feel freely that you can help others? When I get my head wrapped around the fact that I only have what I have because God allowed me, first of all, to be growing up in a country that is prospering. I've traveled around the world and there are people that work harder than me just to put food on the table for their families and they are struggling to do so. So the first thing I recognize is just because I live in America, I am way ahead and I ought to be very thankful for God's provision. Second, I live in Cookville, Tennessee, where right now the economy is exploding. And you can work as many hours as you want to because everybody's got to help one of that sign on their front door. It may not be the job you want, but I guarantee you there's jobs out there because we're blessed to live in this area. Now be careful to squander those blessings and hold on to them and not be willing to go and serve the Lord wherever he calls you to because he may call you to leave this and go and take the gospel around the world and that might be your greatest calling of sacrifice and giving is giving of your time and ministry. But then I also realized that I... I have what I have because God has given me hands that work. He's given me a brain to think. He's given me opportunity to serve. So when you realize really what we have is all that God's given us anyway, the fact that he only asked for 10% to start with as a, as a tithe is, man, that's pretty cool. Somebody asked me all the time, why do you think it's 10%? First of all, I think it's simple. You move the decimal one place, right? Even those of us that aren't good at math, when I wasn't that great at math, $27 a month, I could just move the decimal one place. That makes it pretty simple. But two, I think it requires a leap of faith. It's generous. It's a leap of faith to trust God with that. And so it requires us to get to see him work to provide. Well, don't just take my word for it. We've got a panel uh, of people that are gonna come out and they're gonna share their stories. One of the ideas we had as we were talking about this is like, well, they all, you guys always hear from me on this kind of thing, right? You've heard my stories. I, I love to brag on how God provides. And so we started brainstorming and I started hearing in our worship planning team stories that everybody was sharing. I was like, man, we got to let everybody else hear these stories too. You guys got to hear from other folks how God provides and how God does miracles and, and what it looks like to trust him and build faith through giving. So uh, I asked TJ to lead this panel discussion, and you guys share the word. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate that. Before you leave, do you happen to have a book on your shelf that I could borrow? I've been looking for some <laughs> light reading. <laughs> I promise I'll tithe on the... <laughs> well, hey, I, thank you for taking the opportunity to be here with us this morning. And we do want to have, as we were discussing um, each week, we talk about uh, what does this service look like and, and how can we communicate uh, very well. And we, we went around the table and there was a lot of great stories we thought would be beneficial for each and every one of us. And as we're talking about this concept of tithe and giving, um, I, I wanted to just share with something with you that you may not know. The resources that the church has is made up of the tithes and giving of generous people 
like you all that are sitting in this room. But did you know that in turn, we as the church, as the organization, we believe that we should tithe on those dollars as well? Because we do. Um, I, 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 did, I took a few moments to just dig into the numbers just a little bit and wanted to communicate to you all that we tithe off the funds and wanted you to see what that might look like. So this year, there's gonna be somewhere close to $400,000 that is going to serve ministry outside of these four walls that are right here. That's an incredible number. And so thank you for your continued generosity. And I wanna say, go God, because that's nothing of us. That's him using his resources and the resources of faithful giving and obedience of people that are trusting in him that, that he can do more than we can. And so as we were talking through this, it was, it was pretty amazing, the stories we heard. And this is just a sampling of some that we had talked about. Um, but but we, I wanted you to hear, we wanted you to hear uh, some stories of some folks. And so uh, Jimmy was sharing with us uh, how in a, in a time of, of kind of early on, beginning into his career, how uh, the Lord really revealed himself in a new way, um, in a profound way. And so Jimmy, would you mind sharing that with us? Sure. Um, so I'm a church kid, grew up in church, and I don't believe uh, we, we really taught on the tithe per se, but we always passed the plate, and I was given a dollar, and I put the, the dollar in the plate. It wasn't my dollar. I don't know where it came from. I put it in there, and that, that was kind of my first introduction to giving in the church, and, and then as I got older and I was continuing to pursue Christ, I kind of had a different perspective on generosity. It's like, I'm to live my life the way Christ did. I'm to be generous. And um, in my 20s, and even up to the point where I got married, uh, I I saw it more in the light light of generosity, where, um, hey, TJ, let me buy your lunch. Or, hey, um, let me do this for you. Or, oh, I I know you're you're mentioning that uh, you might not have enough money for groceries. Let me, let me buy your groceries. Oh, thank you, Jimmy. Oh, thank you for lunch, Jimmy. And let me buy your coffee. And all these things were, were good, but uh, I, what you're probably realizing, that what I didn't realize is that I was kind of the hero of the story. Mm. You know, it was me meeting needs and not God meeting needs. And not that what I was doing was bad, but my whole angle, I just didn't see the blind spot. And uh, I was beginning my uh, career at the, I don't know, air quotes. But I was beginning my, my tenure Yes. At the river. Uh, oh, goodness, I guess. It'll be 13 years in yeah, February, is my yeah. word. Um, but Steve was just kind of uh, uh, lightly challenging and encouraging me on this subject. We were talking about it. And I was honestly kind of bristling. Uh, and maybe some of you are too, as we talk about, you know, it's when, when the Lord has a hold of your pocketbook, he has a hold of your heart. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's so what true. I found. Right. And a lot of times it takes uh, an effort to get in my brain and then it goes to my heart. I'm not one to just receive things right away. I have to think about it and think about thinking about it and kicking around. So, so hopefully this will help illuminate the way it was illuminated to me. But Steve was like, you know, and he didn't put it quite this way, but he's like, you know, you're essentially the hero of the story instead of God. It's like, it's a matter of when we tithe and when we give, we're giving it over to the church and, and letting the church effectively God administer those funds where they need to go. And God gets the glory, mm-hmm. and it's done in, you know, from, from my account, it's done anonymously. My money is in that number you cited, yeah. which is so exciting. Like, 
I certainly did not give that much, but it's nice to know that my, my money adds to that money, which yeah. can go to the nations. And so it was at that point, uh, I was still trying to think it through. And Steve was said, well, we'll just try it for a month and see. And, and, and that was fine enough for me. And so I talked to Kim and, and she too was um, not really taught that growing up. And so we just kind of started that adventure. It's like, well, let's just give it, let's just give it a month. And we did, and nothing bad happened. You know, we still um, were able to check off the boxes. We paid our bills. Uh, we probably ate some tacos. All was good. So um, in my world, that's, that's all the boxes. So um, we proceeded to continue to do that, yeah. you know, month after month. And it just became part of our habit. And that habit became part of our discipline. And, yeah. and that discipline brought character into our lives. And, and, and it was funny at the beginning, I couldn't imagine giving 10%. And then I, God was giving me a ways to continue to be generous on top of that. Yeah. So it's just been cool. And then one, one very small story, uh, as many of you know, this is a whole nother testimony, a whole nother panel. But Ruthie, my daughter, when she was born, she was very, very, very sick. And it was very costly to get her t- to here. <laughs> and uh, we had great insurance. And they paid, I think they billed the insurance $2.5 million by the time it was said and done. And so we paid about $44,000 out of pocket. And that's $44,000 I didn't have. I was, the, I was the sole provider at that time. Kim was on disability. And we were like, I wonder how this is going to go. But miraculously, and we continue to check the ledger. Well, like, is Nana putting money in our account? Like, we had to, I mean, it's really, it was a head scratcher. It's like we were, all our needs were met and we continue to be able to pay on that and we, we were able to get that licked. And, and so uh, I guess that's the end of my story. What, what, I, what I've come to realize is that it's, it's about obedience and release. Yeah. So, so once God puts that in your heart and, and you finally get your head to your heart and you're convinced that this is God's better plan for you, uh, then it's a matter of letting it go because then we get to see what the Lord can do with it and let him be the hero and let him go to the ends of the earth with the gospel with our meager funds, turning it into an exponential blessing for God's kingdom. I think that's so good. And And I hope that you caught that in that in obedience out of just listening to what God was saying and listening to what Scripture was telling, telling them, they were obedient to follow through. And the ways that the Lord has richly blessed that. I, I, I love that we have the opportunity. And you even shared that on the front side, sometimes it's just not easy. It's hard um, to, to let loose. But as we're, as we're practicing those spiritual disciplines in our lives, one of which is the tithe, it does become easier. And it makes it even, uh, you, you, can, you can do it out of gratitude even more in thanksgiving. So that's an, that's an awesome story. And I, and I love that it, it kind of ties in as we are releasing and giving over and trusting that the Lord can do great things above and beyond what we could do independently, we get to see that unfold in really rich and new ways. Um, Heather is here with her, with us, our uh, director of mission here at the river. And uh, her and her family, uh, they, have a, they have a great story uh, that also comes from your giving. Because part of what we do is help fund mission around the world. And Heather and her family um, were obedient to the call and they packed it up and they took it, around, took it halfway around the world. And so it took a lot of trust to do so. So I'm not going to tell your story for you, but it's a, it's a great one. I would love for you to just share um, with everybody your story. 
So when we were, um, we felt called to missions and we began to walk down that road, we actually signed a a little contract saying, yeah, God, we're going to give everything. We're going to give up what we're doing here in America and we're going full-time career overseas. And we headed out towards Africa and all that was said and done. And we'd chosen an organization because they lined up with what we believed. But when it came to actually making it happen is when things got real really fast. And um, my husband had a really good job. He was on the road to getting us where we wanted to be with retirement and he had benefits and things were going well. And we had a couple of small kids. So we were on that rat race to, to get to the place that everybody wants to go. And we needed to let go of that. And, and what we would be moving to was something that was a lot less than that with a lot less security. Um, but the organization we had chosen is one that is funded by churches like ours, churches pulling their funds, putting all their money together so that, that we could go and we would have the resources that we, we, we needed. And we looked around at other colleagues that were doing similar things and they didn't have that that your dollars gave so that we could. Um, I can't tell you how many, besides the fact that we had food to eat every day and a roof over our heads, but how many times that what you give helped us to have the things that we needed. Um, when our third, third child was two years old, we were told by our medical department, you need to get to South Africa and you need to get there right now. If we'd been with another organization that wasn't funded by people like you, we would have had to figure out how we were going to buy a plane ticket and how we were going to pay the doctors and all those things. But because of what you guys do right here, within a couple of days, we were on an airplane and we were in South Africa and we had a place to stay. So that's the reality of what you do. And over and above is that when we needed to do a project, when we needed money to reach those that were all around us, that money was there and we didn't have to struggle to see that happen. And that's because of you. That's awesome. And I love, I think that's a great picture, folks, of how God can take our little and make a lot. Um, Just, do you happen to know off the top of your head approximately how many folks are in the field currently? through the IMB, which is the organization that you were a part with, were with. It's, it stays right around 4,000 right now. So 4,000 individuals that collectively were able to support financially to be able to look people eyeball to eyeball in their own culture and share the love of Jesus Christ. It's amazing what God can do with us trusting our little, how he can make such a dynamic impact around the world. But I want you to know that he doesn't only make that impact around the world. He makes that impact right here in our back door. Um, Becky Davidson, the president and executive director of Rising Above Ministries, is here with us. And uh, a ministry that was birthed somewhat here at the River Community Church, uh, they've got a phenomenal story. She's got a phenomenal story how faithfulness and and trust uh, enabled them to, to build a ministry that they didn't see coming, but they, they stepped into that. And so, Becky, would you just share your story with us? Sure. Well, when my late husband Jeff and I got married 30 years ago, uh, we had these fabulous plans of what we thought our life was going to look like. He was going to be a great businessman. We'd make lots of money. We'd have fabulous kids. We'd live the dream. We'd live in a big house and have great cars and go on fabulous vacations. And God had other plans for our family, as so happens so often. And when our son was born, he's now 24, 
we quickly started realizing that he, something was not quite right and that he was going to live his life with profound special needs and require care 24-7. And it wrecked our world. Our world was turned upside down and we didn't know where we fit anymore. We didn't know what we were going to do. And so we thought, well, if we're feeling this way, we know there's got to be other people out there, other special needs families who are feeling the same way. So in 2005, we started Rising Above Ministries, thinking it would just be a small little ministry here in Putnam County, and we would do some events and some worship services for special needs families, not having any clue what was to come. And so Jeff continued on in his corporate world, doing his corporate thing, and we were doing well. And then we started coming to the river, and uh, Steve Taboo would start taking Jeff to lunch, and we thought, well, how nice the pastor wants to get to know us better. He wants to know about rising above ministries. And we just, you know, we thought that's so sweet. Well, then there was one breakfast that they went to, and I'll never forget this day, but Jeff comes home from breakfast white as a sheet and says, Steve's just asked me to go on staff at the river. And then he goes on to say what his salary would be. (laughs) (laughs) TJ's laughing because he can relate, right? (laughs) And so, we looked at each other and was like, how in the world we have a child with profound special needs? It was just going to be a 70 to 80% pay cut from what we were making. But we knew we were supposed to do it. And so we stepped out, we sold our house, we sold our cars, we got rid of furniture, and we moved out to a smaller house. Jeff was on staff for several years. And then I remember sitting, seeing him sitting in the corner of our bedroom in a chair up in the middle of the night praying. I was like, what are you doing? And he said, you don't want to know. <laughs> And, and in a short amount of time, he finally came to me and he told me that for 40 days, he had been praying Colossians 1.9, asking for God to show him what our, the good and perfect will was for our family. And God basically laid out for him the manifesto of what rising above was supposed to be and that we were supposed to step out from the river and do this full time. Well, it was scary enough being on staff at the river when you knew what you were going to be making, but going into full-time ministry when you were having to raise your own support We had no clue, but we did it, and God showed up time and time and time again, and our board would set the budget here, and God would bring in the money that year up here every single time. Whatever it was we were called to do, we had the resources to do, and what was amazing to see when I was sitting back, and TJ had asked me to do this, and I'm looking back over our story, was to look and see how those decisions of being obedient and stepping out and trusting was setting us up for things that we could not see. And I love the scripture where it talks about God knows the end from the beginning. He knows how the story plays out. He knows what my future is going to be. He knows all what your future is going to be. And God knew what was coming down our path that we were not expecting. Because in 2017, my husband passed away, leaving me a widow and a solo parent to my son with profound special needs. And I look back at that story and I look back, had he not stepped out when he did to come on staff at the river, well, he would have lost his corporate job. There's no way that he could have continued on that job. We would have lost everything. And then the house that we ended up moving into, I truly believe God built that house for us. It could not be more perfect for what our needs were when Jeff was in a wheelchair. I had my son in a wheelchair. It was just right. But I think the biggest part was looking back and seeing that when Jeff took the time to be still and quiet and hear from God, that he was actually preparing to provide for his family when he passed away. Because him stepping out and saying, this is what our family needs to do, 
opened the door for me to then when he passed away, step in. So I now have a job. I now can step into that role. And so it's just been a crazy but amazing only God journey. Yeah, it is only God that God can take the funds and support of uh, people all over this community, uh, around this country, and, and now we're even finding around the world um, and be able to bless that and to um, make it so much bigger and so much more. I, I hope that this morning that you're encouraged ever so slightly that you heard, we've, we've heard a story uh, about being obedient to what God's called us to do, because Scripture even tells us this is the one. This is the one area that we are asked or we are told to to test the Lord and see. And so, be, in being obedient, God has in turn been faithful by just simply trusting that He would. So we've we've heard a story of obedience and faith and trust, and and that's what we wanted you to hear. Steve's going to be coming back out and, and, and finishing up a couple of other things this morning. But, but I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you this morning to think on those things. Are you being obedient in, in trusting what the Lord's entrusted you with and understanding that he is going to be faithful in turn to provide for you and not only you, but for the ministries that he has ordained and has in works. So thank you guys for allowing us to share with you this morning. Well, I guess nobody wants to go out to lunch with me again, huh? <laughs> uh, I just thought it'd be helpful to hear other voices this morning and hearing how God provides when we step out on faith and we trust him. Uh, there's a couple other verses. And on your listening guide, I, I don't want to miss uh, because the point number five is really encouraging. It says, God will even increase your giving ability as you are faithful. God will even increase it. Verse 10 and 11 says, for God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and the bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. God is the one that also increases what we have, but not for the purpose that we can just have more stuff, but so that we can be even more generous. I personally don't think God's opposed to stuff. I think when we put him first and we trust him, he is gonna bless us so much that we have money to take care of our needs, to bless others, and we ourselves will be blessed. And the last thing is our giving supplies the needs of the saints and brings glory to God. I believe in vision giving. I believe you give because God has blessed us, but you give to a vision to change the world, not just to meet needs. And so one of the things I want to challenge you today is to not give. Okay, I want to challenge you today, if, you, if unless you normally give, don't give today. I don't want you to give today because you heard a sermon on money. I want you to go home and pray and ask the Lord what 
His next step is for you. And then trust him and walk that out in faith moving forward. The reason I say that is because I don't want the devil to give you any excuse that this is out of manipulation or coercion or need, but out of a privilege to honor and glorify our God and to meet the needs of those on mission with God, to provide for our missionaries, to provide for those serving him, to provide for days like yesterday where we're serving the homeless and taking care of people. It was such a great opportunity because this building was here. We could host the whole event right here on this campus and open it up to our city. Those are things that are there because others have gone before us and given to the work of the Lord. So here's my challenge for today. My challenge today is for you to take a leap of faith. If you have never given before, I want to challenge you to go home and pray about making a first offering to the Lord next week. If you're watching online and you consider this your church, this is who you worship with on Sunday mornings, I want to challenge you with the same thing. I want to challenge you to be a part of the body through your giving, just as you are through your worship at home. If you've given before, but you're really what I would call more of a tipper, which is what I was at one time, where you just put that dollar in the envelope, as Jimmy said, or a $20 bill, I want to challenge you to pray about becoming a tither, where you begin to trust God with your first 10%, trusting him to meet those needs. And then if you're a tither, I want to challenge you to learn to be even more generous in your giving, to look for other opportunities to give above and beyond. Maybe it's rising above, maybe it's the rescue mission, whatever it is, to give above and beyond, to enjoy that journey of generosity as well. And then if you're here today and you want to know where our example comes from, it comes from Jesus. Jesus Christ set the example for us. He had everything. He had everything, and he gave it all up for you and I. He gave it up that we might have a relationship with God. He did the exact opposite of the American dream. He had everything, and he chose nothing to be born in a stable, to be raised in poverty, having to pend. If you read his story, it was because of the gold, frankincense, and myrrh allowed his parents to survive as they fled to Egypt when he had to flee. God provided for him. And he set the testimony for us of true generosity. He gave the one thing that was the most of all, that was his life. If you have never experienced that love, if you've never come to know him, at the end of the service, I'm going to be up here to talk with you. Our prayer room will be open. You can talk with someone in the prayer room. We'd like to help you know that. But I'm going to close this in a prayer of blessing. If you would stand with me. And I want to pray a prayer blessing over you because I believe as we trust God out of the blessings he's given us that he wants to bless us. He is not a stingy miser. He is a generous father that as we step out to give, he wants to bless us and show us that he is the giver and the provider. And so I want to encourage you that God wants to use what he has already given you to change people all over the world through your giving. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
Heavenly Father, I pray right now, Lord, you just pour your blessings all over everybody this week. I pray, God, that people will take leaps of faith this week and begin to trust you with their giving. And Lord, when they do, I pray you bless them so much. Lord, I was talking to that person last week and they talked about how when they started tithing, Lord, you blessed them almost immediately was getting fired. <laughs> and, and they were so freaked out until the, that later that day, they got a job for $6,000 more than before. And for them, that was like you saying, I've got this. Lord, our people need to see that. Lord, they, they need to see that you are the provider. So Lord, I pray this week that you pour it out in abundance and abundance and abundance, God, and, and that we just get to see an overflow of that because you are a good, good father. I pray as we go, Lord, that we will be your hands and feet for you. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening today. If you were encouraged by this podcast, then we want to encourage you to like, follow, rate us on whatever platform that you are listening to. If you want more information about the church and things going on, visit theriverCC.com or download our app. Again, thank you so much for listening to the River Community Church podcast.